Welcome to Hillside Baptist Church Podcast. We are a church that is committed to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is our privilege to open God's word with you. It is our prayer that you receive the message from the man of God with an open heart. That through God's word, you are encouraged and equipped to face life's challenges. But most importantly, it is our prayer that you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior if you haven't already. If you'd like to connect with us, you can do so at hillsidebc.com, find us on Facebook, or send us an email at info at hillsidebc.com. We hope that you benefit from today's message and that you would share it with a friend. But let's now open our hearts and God's Word. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Psalm 63, to the 63rd Psalm. While you're turning there, um, just want to say thank you for all of those who helped us in any way, shape, or form in getting back here to Missouri um, from Oklahoma. That was a huge blessing, and uh, we, we are very, very grateful for that. Um, you guys just reached out to us and were such a blessing to us, so um, we are so thankful for that. And uh, so, Psalm number 63. And if you're there, say amen. amen. All right. Psalm 63, and we'll just go ahead and read the whole chapter. David writes, O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in, in a dry and thirsty land where no water is to see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied, as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips when I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. Because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. My soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. But those that seek my soul to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for foxes. But the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone that sweareth by him shall glory. But the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped. Tonight, I want to hope to be an encouragement to us here this evening and uh, preach a message entitled Rejoicing in the Desert. Rejoicing in the Desert. The desert. So let's let's pray and ask for God's help. Heavenly Father, Lord, it is so true that you've been so good to us. We are a blessed people in here tonight. And Father, I thank you so much for your word and for each and every person that's here. And I just ask that you would take your word and, well, Lord, would you speak to us all 
We need to hear from you. Would you encourage us and help us to keep going? And uh, Lord, would you have your will and way in our hearts and lives tonight? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, the river wasn't far away. You see, Chaz Powell could see the Zambezi churning over boulders and the gorge a few hundred meters below him. It was tantalizingly close, but just out of reach. I can't describe how thirsty I was, says Powell. Teetering on the edge of a cliff at the top of the gorge, he had run out of water and had no way of getting down to the river. Recalling the precarious position he found himself in, he described an overwhelming feeling of panic as he worried about how he was going to find something to drink. And eventually, an SOS team that he contacted told Powell they could get a helicopter to him, but it would take four hours. But you see, he's, he's in the middle of the desert. I'm going to be dead in four hours, he remembers thinking. And in the end, I just said to myself, I'd rather die falling down a cliff than sitting here. So he examined the cliff, he saw a few tree roots to hold on to, and began to attempt making his way down, and in the process fell 15 feet and, and cut his nose open. But fueled by adrenaline and just the desire to live, he kept going down, grabbing onto anything he could on the cliff face. When he reached a ledge, at one point he fainted, blacking out for a short time while, before coming back around. My hands were bleeding, my face was covered in blood, my legs were bruised. Even so, Powell kept pushing himself down the cliff for nearly an hour until finally he made it to the river. He had to sit there for about an hour, cooling down and drinking water until he was able to simply get on his phone and tell his rescuers he would be okay. You know, this incredible story reminds us just how challenging it can be to survive in the desert, in a, in a wilderness like that, and things especially turn south in a hurry when, you're, uh, when you run out of water. I mean, like Chaz, we will do some pretty insane things to, to quench that intense thirst that comes from extreme dehydration. It's not good. Not good. Not a place that we'd want to be in if we could take our pick. But tonight, the, the passage that we're looking at, we see that David found himself in a desert. And during this time, we know he's, he's in the wilderness of Judah. He's running and he's hiding for his life. And it doesn't specifically state whether this, he's on the run from Saul or from his son Absalom. However, it seems that the exile during Absalom would make the most sense but nevertheless, he's, he's in a desert, he's, he's running for his life, and, and he, he writes this psalm. As you could imagine, David longed for his God. He was mentally and physically and spiritually drained, running on fumes. Running during the day, watching his surroundings by night, constantly wondering if God would ever do something if God would ever remember him and, and deliver him from these circumstances that he's facing. His favorite way to satisfy his thirst for God was to go to the tabernacle. However, at this time, that wasn't an option because if he would have stepped foot in Jerusalem, he would have been killed by his enemies. But it's in this terrible and dark and discouraging situation that David writes, 
O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. And that word early has not only the, the sense of early in the morning, but, but of eagerness, of immediateness, right away. First thing, it was, a, it was a priority in his life. He earnestly sought after his God. He longed to go to the tabernacle to worship God corporately. However, he could not because he was physically separated. And as we see, even in, as it mentions in verse 9, there were people evidently hunting David. Though we don't know exactly who it was, he was on the run for his life from people who were trying to kill him. And even in the desert, we see that David sought the Lord. He said, Thou art my God, early will I seek thee. But it seemed at this time as though God could not be found. God felt far away, perhaps even weak to him. And you know, we look at David's situation and we would think, man, that, that's pretty low. That's a pretty low time. But if we're going to be honest, we all sometimes find ourselves in similar situations. We all sometimes find ourselves in situations where we're going through a, a desert, so to speak, where it seems like there's, we're, we're dying of thirst spiritually. We're facing a trial in which there's, it seems like there's no relief in sight. We're in a wilderness. We're in a desert and you know what? Maybe you lost your job recently. You can't sleep at night because you're trying to figure out how you're going to put food on the table this week. Or maybe you're in the middle of fighting a disease and you don't know how things are going to end up. Maybe you're just tired. Who's tired in here tonight? A little bit? Yep. Physically and spiritually from just the, the, the from this season of life, from just putting one foot in front of the other and going through the struggles of daily life. If Sometimes it's easy to start thinking that God's far away. That he's either forgotten about us or doesn't care about us. You know, sometimes these deserts are because of our chastisement for our own sin. Sometimes we get ourselves into these situations. And God's, God's using them to teach us a lesson and to help correct us and get us back on the right path. But, you know, sometimes, like in the case of Job, sometimes God allows things to go through our lives that we may never fully understand, but, but for the purpose that he would get the glory, that he would get the glory. It wasn't anything that, that Job had done wrong, but it was so that God could get the glory. And sometimes, sometimes those deserts happen. But either way, I don't know about you, but I'm not always the best at responding biblically in the desert. I mean, um, you look at the children of Israel whenever they were wandering in the wilderness, and it's easy to be like, man, they were some bad, uh, cranky, complaining people. I mean, they had, they had so much going for them that God had done, and yet they still, it just seemed like it didn't get through to them. But, but sometimes, if we're honest here, when we get, find ourselves in the desert, we want to complain. We want to get frustrated, get mad. We want to sometimes blame somebody, and a lot of times that ends up being at least definitely somebody other than ourselves, but sometimes it even ends up being God. And sometimes we just want to give up in despair. But I'm excited to tell you tonight that God has the survival guide for your desert. He has a survival guide. And though we walk through deserts, God doesn't want us to just give up. He doesn't want us to, 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 to just be discouraged and, and, and give up in despair. 
He wants us to go through rejoicing and praising the Lord, even as, as we see that David was doing in this very psalm, giving us a wonderful example. So how can we go through the desert like David? How can we rejoice even in the middle of the desert that we might find ourselves in, or perhaps that we're going into? How can we rejoice in this desert? Let's look at this beautiful psalm at the rest of it and look at three ways that, um, from David's time in the desert. And we see first that you can rejoice in the desert if you'll meditate on God's character. You can rejoice in the desert if you'll meditate on God's character. Look at verse number three. He says, because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. And that word, loving kindness, we don't use it a lot, um, but the, the Hebrew word behind it is, is, forgive me if I mispronounce it, but it's chesed, or loving kindness, and it refers to the character of God and is most often used to describe God's heart towards those who are his own. It's his, it, it's his kindness and steadfast love for his children. Steadfast. Un, in other words, unchanging, constant and meeting our needs. And let me tell you, David had personally experienced God's steadfast love, personally. And you know what? Even when he was in this desert, he reminded himself of it, and, and, and it brought praise to his lips. He reminded himself of that loving kindness. But then he goes on. He says, Thus will I bless thee while I live. It refers to the previous verse with that word, thus, but essentially saying that as a result of this deep sense of the value of the, of the loving kindness of God, he would praise him through all the remainder of his life or would never cease. It wouldn't stop. He says, thus will I bless thee while I live. Because thy loving kindness is better than life itself, better than anything that life could offer, I will bless, I will bless him. In other words, I will praise him, adore him, for the all as long as I live, because um, there's there would never come a day in which life's struggles would outweigh God's blessings. There would never come a day when when uh, his trial would be would outweigh the the loving kindness of God in his life, and so he could praise him for the rest of his days, for the rest of his days. And then he goes on. He, he still, he says, My soul shall be satisfied with marrow and fatness. Satisfied? But I thought he was in the middle of a desert, running for his life. As with marrow and fatness, like, like kind of like the feeling that I get whenever I eat like a, such a good steak. That kind of feeling, like that kind of satisfaction. And I just got to say that my brother-in-law, Caleb Dedman, the other day, he made us a, well, it was a long time ago, but he made us a steak. And I'm just telling you, if you want a good steak, just talk to him, okay? He, he knows how to cook them, and uh, wowzers. But that kind of, think of the best steak that you've had. That was the kind of satisfaction that David was feeling. But he, he goes on, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. Well, why? Well, when I remember thee upon my bed... And meditate on thee in the night watches. Let me remind you that David was not in a, a well uh, guarded stronghold or, or fort when he wrote this. No, 
he was in the middle of the desert. He was vulnerable. He was definitely uncomfortable. And as he and his men kept watch at night, who knows what, what dangers and horrors surrounded them. Nevertheless, David could say that his soul was satisfied because you know what he was doing? He was meditating upon the character of God. He was meditating on who God is. And let me ask you, have you stopped lately and just meditated on who God is? Now, I'm not talking about some weird, mystical, Eastern religion type of meditation where you're trying to clear your mind and all that hullabaloo. No, but to, to meditate biblically means this. It means to dwell on something in thought, to contemplate, to study, to turn or revolve in the mind. Literally, it means to, to murmur or ponder something. So when was the last time you meditated, just stopped and meditated on who God is? You see, when we are overwhelmed and stressed and discouraged in our desert, we have to remind ourselves of who God is because Satan is so subtle. And sometimes he, he wants us to just, just start subtly accepting this idea that, you know, maybe God's not quite as good as I thought he was. Maybe, maybe he's changed, or maybe he's, he's good in other people's lives, but he, he doesn't love me as much. We have to purposefully remind ourselves about who God is and the fact that God never changes. God is, he's immutable. He does not change. I love this quote um, from Spurgeon. Uh, he, he says, to dwell with God is better than life at its best. Life at ease, in a palace, in health, in honor, in wealth, in pleasure. Yea, a thousand lives are not equal to the eternal life which abides in Jehovah's smile. Nothing changes the character of God. And you know what? That includes your circumstances and my circumstances. Nothing. God always was good and he always will be good. We can trust him. I love this other quote. He says, uh, We ought not to make our praises of God to depend upon our own personal and present reception of benefits. In other words, our circumstances, what God brings into our lives. This would be mere selfishness. Even publicans and sinners have a good word for those whose hands are enriching them with gifts. But it is the true believer only who will bless the Lord when he takes away his gifts or hides his face. It reminds me so much of the life of Job, doesn't it? The Lord giveth, the Lord blesseth, uh, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. May we be true believers tonight. Meditation upon God can calm us even when nothing else can. It brings peace. It brings peace. So we see meditating upon the character of God, upon who God is. Secondly, we see that you can rejoice in the desert if you'll remember all that God has done for you. Look at verses 7 and 8. Uh, we, we see that, that David's recollection of God's aid in his life gave him confidence and joy in the presence and protection of his God. He says, Because thou hast been my help, past tense, Therefore, in the shadow of thy wings will I 
rejoice. You see, God had delivered David in the past. I mean, that is absolutely and abundantly clear. He delivered him from the lion and the bear when he was watching his father's sheep. He delivered him from the giant Goliath. He delivered him from the hand of Saul. And over and over again, we find in scriptures how that God delivered him from the hand of his enemies time and time again. So, thought David, why should I be worried about this desert and and those that seek my life? I've faced challenges before and God has helped me through them. And I can rejoice knowing that he can do the same thing again today. He's still the same God. And so knowing that it was, that it was only by God's hand that, that David had come this far, David endeavored to stick close to his Lord. We see that in verse 8. He says, My soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. And that, the idea there when it says, My soul followeth hard, is like as if you were to take two pieces of wood and glue them together, stick them together, stuck fast. In other words, there's no separation no separation. And David, reminded of how God had been his help time and time again in the past, thinking, man, I definitely should not have made it out alive from that situation with Goliath, but God delivered me there. And boy, I definitely should not have ever made it to the throne because Saul definitely should have killed me some way or another. But God delivered me out of his hand, and I made it here. And realizing, wow, if I'd have been on my own, I would have been toast a long time ago. But over and over again, he saw how God had worked. And so he says, you know what? My soul followeth hard after thee. I am sticking close to you. He determined to stay close to him. And just like David, we can rejoice in the middle of our desert if we will remember what God has done for us in the past. Just like David. So take some time to remember, write it down even, or just, you know, you think of the song, count your blessings, and it might seem a little bit elementary, but it's so good for us in the middle of our deserts to go through and just think of the times that God has just personally and powerfully impacted and worked through our lives, helped us through some tough times. Go back to those times. Remind yourself of them, and remember God is still the same God. Knowing how he has worked in the past gives us hope as we move into the future and face this desert. And you know what? Maybe, maybe you're having trouble. Maybe on some of those really dark days you're having trouble finding the goodness of God. You know what you need to do in those times? Just look right there at that cross and remember where you would be had his blood not been shed to cover your sins and my sins, and to give us the hope of, e- of heaven, the hope of eternal life, the forgiveness of sins. My, how good God has been to us. And so our problem sometimes is that we, don't, we just don't recognize it. We don't even notice it. And then like David, draw close to the Lord. Cleave to him. Don't let there be any separation. Don't let sin Or don't get distracted. Don't let anything between you and the Lord. So we see you can rejoice if you'll you'll meditate upon who God is. You can rejoice if you remember all that God has done for you. And then look at these last uh, three verses. We We see from there that you can rejoice if you will trust God to give you future victory over present problems.
future victory over present problems. Now look, notice what he says. He says, but those that seek my soul to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for, so- for foxes. In other words, they're going to be completely and utterly destroyed, wiped out, taken care of completely. And so by faith, David was convinced that his enemies would eventually be destroyed. And you might say, well, gee, David seems really harsh towards his enemies. I mean, I don't know if anybody in here should pray, Lord, please destroy them. Please make sure they fall by the sword. But you got to remember that, um, uh, that these rebels were, they were at the same time the enemies of God and of God's purposes for Israel. And that those purposes included even the coming of the Messiah through the line of David into the world. And remember, too, that David didn't execute these enemies himself. No, he, he, he left them in God's hands, and he asked God to deal with them. You know, time and time again, when uh, David was on the run from Saul, he, he had opportunity to, to touch the Lord's anointed, to take Saul out himself and rid himself of all of these problems and of running for years on end. But you know what? He didn't because he knew one thing. Vengeance belonged to God. And, and David said, you know what, I, I know that this is, I hate being in this desert right now. I'd rather be in this desert and be right with my God Amen. than to take things into my own hands and, and ruin and, dis, and hurt that relationship that I have with him. And then look at verse 11 to just kind of sum things up. He says, at the, all at the very end after everything that's happened, but the king shall rejoice. In God. Despite the turmoil of his circumstances, David resolved in the end to rejoice. To rejoice. Not, not some sort of just empty-minded or, um, or uh, just empty being happy, trying to work up the emotion to be happy, but rejoicing in his God, in his relationship with God, and the hope that, was, that came with that. And so it didn't matter what came David's way. It didn't change the fact that he had a personal relationship with God. And you know what? Just like David, you can rejoice if you'll, if you'll just trust that God will one day give you victory through uh, these problems. And we can be confident in the fact that he will give victory someday. And even if we don't see it in this life, if you're a believer, let me remind you tonight that you will rise to eternal glory. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And let me remind you of the beautiful words in 1 Corinthians 15, where, where Paul says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trump shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Amen. Either way, let me tell you, friend, God is going to bring you through it. He's going to, and we can trust in that. We can hold in that. So in the end tonight, 
Let's just resolve to praise our great and wonderful God. No matter what may come our way, no matter what we're facing right now, or what tomorrow may hold, let me remind you, God always has been good. He always will be good, and we can trust in Him. Therefore, we, like David, can rejoice in each and every day, even if we're in the desert. Truly, what a sweet psalm was written in the midst of such a dry desert. But you know what? God also used the same man to pen his words in Psalm 23. And that same man that wrote about feeling like he was in a desert at one point in his life wrote this. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. How could both of these things be true? You know what? He rejoiced in his relationship with God. You see, because all the things that we've been talking about, meditating upon God, um, uh, remembering all that God has done for you, and trusting God to give you victory in the future, to deliver you in the future, trusting Him for the future, all those, all those are parts of a vibrant and growing relationship with God. You see, tonight, let's get our focus off of our desert and the difficulties that we may be dealing with, and let's put them on Him the God who never changes. And don't leave tonight without spending some time just, just drawing close to our Heavenly Father and praise, remembering who He is, what He's done for us, and trusting Him for tomorrow. Thank you so much for joining us today. It is such a privilege to share God's Word with you. If God has spoken to your heart because of the message, stop right now and respond whatever it is God is asking of you. Don't wait another minute. You can pray right where you're at and ask God for his help. If this message has helped you in any way, we would love to hear from you. Let us know if you have any questions or we can help you with your decision. Jesus asked his disciples, Who do ye say that I am? And he offers the same question to you today. What would your answer be?